everybody. Thank you for tuning in to episode 36 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultra marathon runner, and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography addiction recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from pornography addiction. If you or somebody that you know is struggling with pornography addiction or compulsive sexual behavior, please point them to pathbackrecovery.com. There you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography addiction. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. And this episode is also brought to you by Bloom for Women. And uh, Bloom is uh, is a new sponsor of the program. And uh, I have never had more positive feedback from a program um, any, than anything I've been involved in in my entire life. Uh, Bloom offers online programs, expert help, and an empathetic community to help women heal and strengthen and grow past the trauma of infidelity and betrayal. Whether it's betrayal from a spouse who maybe has a pornography or sex addiction, uh, from emotional betrayal of an affair. Um, this, this concept of betrayal trauma is, uh, is something that, um, again, a lot of people didn't even know there was a name to this, um, but there is a lot of information, a lot of help out there for any woman who is going through any tri- type of this betrayal trauma. So please visit bloomforwomen.com. And uh, they offer a free one-week um, access to their program. But uh, if you use the coupon code Virtual Couch, all one word, then you get a month's free access to all of their evidence-based programs and this powerful community that is designed to help you heal and recover from betrayal trauma. So if you feel like that is in any way um, your experience, that you have, uh, that you feel like you have been betrayed by a spouse, um, a partner. Please give this a look because, again, the feedback has just been overwhelming of all of the good information there. This episode is also brought to you by the Fine Folk City Lies Extracts. Of course, many of you know, if you've been a longtime listener of the podcast, Eli's has been with us since episode one, and Eli's makes an all-natural organic shave cream. And if you visit uh, www.elis-extracts.com, um, and use coupon code virtual couch, all one word, you get 25% off of your entire order of Eli's all natural organic shave creams. And all of them are scented with essential oils. And while I regularly, regularly get emails with questions about therapeutic topics, I got to say, I also from time to time get emails talking about Eli's. So I, I figure I should read one of those. Here's the latest. Um, this is from a, someone named Terry. Uh, hi, Tony. I went from being annoyed at constantly hearing your commercials about Eli's to understanding that I I'm sure sponsors are necessary to finally ordering my husband something off the website. I did a sample pack and I already have commandeered three or four out of the believe, I believe seven different scents for myself. Now, when I hear the ads, I think, yeah, I know that stuff is good. So thank you, Terry. Again, coupon code virtual couch, all one word. And just a quick rundown to, of course, thank you for continuing to spread the word about the podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a second and subscribe and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Every single rating and review and subscription truly does help get the podcast out there, which leads to more guests, which leads to just kind of keeps this train rolling. And please take a moment to drop by Tony Overbay Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist Facebook page and maybe give that a like. Or um, I have Virtual Couch on Instagram um, or at Tony Overbay on Twitter. And I will eventually beef those up, uh, that platform, with additional information as well. And all the podcasts are at virtualcouch.xyz, where you can go there as well. And if you have questions or suggestions for guests, you can send them through the contact form on virtualcouch.xyz. Or you can send them directly to contact at pathbackrecovery.com. Okay, on to today's show. So today I interview Caitlin Markham. Caitlin is an associate marriage and family therapist, and she is a colleague of mine um, and kind of one of the funnier people that I've, uh, I think I've ever met. Caitlin has a lot of skills as a therapist, um, a lot of different areas, and she talks a little bit about that on this episode as well. And I've referred a few folks her way and have heard wonderful feedback, which is very important in, uh, in my business. But funnier still is that we share an office, and my office door is kind of near the front of the suite, and Caitlin is kind of around the back. So um, I get to hear often when people come out, if my door's kind of propped open, if I'm waiting for a client, I get to hear other therapists come out and there's always kind of a nice, hey, are you ready? But uh, not with Caitlin. Caitlin is perhaps the single most energetic person when it comes to getting her clients from the waiting room. Uh, always a lot of excitement there and it, it just kind of makes me um, kind of glance at my own, you know, if I'm like, uh, Steven, are you ready to come back to therapy? Look pretty silly when you hear Caitlin, you know, and this is a real example. Hey girl, I love those boots, you know, which, uh, which I was, and you can always, the, the people light up in the waiting room. So, um, which is something I think I've, I've actually never said. So maybe today 
Um, if anyone is coming to therapy today, I will, I will try to comment on your footwear. But I asked Caitlin to come in and talk about something that she's passionate about, uh, something that she has a great deal of training and expertise in, and that is eating disorders. And as Caitlin and I discussed afterward off air, my podcast is meant purely to bring awareness to a variety of subjects, but it is in no way meant to be a substitute for therapy. Actually, to the contrary, I'm hoping that after you hear about a topic that maybe you feel is speaking to you or someone that you love, um, that you would take that opportunity to seek help or encourage others to seek help, at least to talk with a professional about whether or not you could use some help. So um, I want to share a bit of a disclaimer with this episode, and I'm grateful for Caitlin. She took some time to help craft this disclaimer. So here goes. As therapists, we are sensitive, sometimes overly so, to the experiences of our clients. And as a disclaimer, Caitlin wanted to say, don't take this as the end-all, be-all on eating disorders. The information, the intention in this podcast was to have an informal conversation about eating disorders. And because of that, not all criteria is addressed at length and not all diagnostic information is covered. Each eating disorder experience is very unique to the individual and family dealing with it. And I would encourage those who have had different experiences and those discussed to share those in the comments. Um, If you want to drop by my Facebook page where this episode will be linked, that would be great to kind of uh, get a discussion going there. But each story shared brings more clarity to the overall complex picture of eating disorders at large. So thank you for allowing us to put that disclaimer out there. And I think you'll hear my honesty at the beginning that I've always looked at eating disorders as something that I truly don't feel comfortable working with because I know that there are people that have... Um, a lot more expertise, and that how as kind of a novice in this area, I wanted more of a basic understanding of the topic. I've been waiting to get Caitlin on for a long time. So um, I just didn't want to simply, I don't know, just go find a research paper and then kind of dissect it on a podcast, because uh, I thought that would be a pretty boring episode. So Caitlin and I, our tone is conversational, and again, at the end of this episode, Caitlin tells the greatest story about her cat. That's all I can say. I, I did a little sneak preview in an episode a couple of weeks ago or a week ago. Um, but I've actually made it a separate clip and I listen to it regularly when I need to pick me up. And I was waiting for this episode so that I can, I'm going to post that clip somewhere so that uh, you all can enjoy the story of Caitlin's cat. And if you did not hear that little teaser a week or so ago, just wait, it's toward the end. Um, so whenever you need to pick me up, that, that would be the thing to do. But just because the tone is conversational, it does not negate the seriousness of these disorders. Um, our goal was to appeal to kind of the broader virtual couch audience, who has um, a, you know, a, a variety of interests and familiarity with eating disorders, and I just thought this would bring a lot of awareness there. So before we get to this episode two, I did find a quick, um, I didn't try to go to some, uh, what, what's the word, clickbait uh, article I found, but I did find something that did say 11 facts about eating disorders. It was on a site called dosomething.org. Um, and at the end of the bottom of this, it has a research or it has the uh, sources for all 11 of these facts. So um, I thought I would just kind of go over a few of these real quickly. Uh, one that I thought was pretty interesting, it says approximately 20 more, 24 million people in the U.S. struggle with an eating disorder. Almost 50% of these people also meet the criteria for depression. Um, let's see, another one says a mere 10% of people with eating disorders receive treatment. That was pretty shocking to me. And only of those, 35% seek treatment from a facility that specializes in eating disorders. So only 10% of people are getting treatment. So that is, is part of the purpose of why um, I put this podcast together, because I want to bring people on who can bring more awareness around a topic. And so if someone, if you or somebody that you know is struggling and uh, needs treatment, please go seek treatment. Uh, just a few more. In a college campus survey, 91% of the women admitted to controlling their weight through dieting. 22% said they dieted often or always. Um, another one says eating disorders have the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. For women ages 15 to 24, the mortality rate of anorexia is 12 times higher than that of any other cause of death. Uh, another fact says that more than 50% of teen girls and nearly 33% of teen boys admit to using unhealthy methods to control their weight, including smoking cigarettes, skipping meals, fasting, vomiting, or taking laxatives. And an estimated 25% of college-age girls resort to binging and purging to manage their weight, and 58% of the study girls felt social pressure to maintain a certain size. Men make up 10 to 15% of the population with anorexia and bulimia, but they are the least likely to seek help due to the gender stereotype surrounding this disorder. And 69% of girls ages 10 to 18 confirm that photographs 
of models and celebrities and magazines inspired their desired body shape. So definitely this is something that we need to give more of a discussion around. And so with that, I, I really am excited to bring you this episode featuring Caitlin Markham. So without any further ado, and let me again thank Aurora Florence in advance as you will once again hear her song, It's Wonderful, at the end of the episode, I bring to you Caitlin Markham here on The Virtual Couch. So why would I even think that you don't know how to work in front of a microphone? I know. You, you, I was at a show, and I took a picture. Do you remember this? I was at yeah. a TNT show, an outdoor <laughs> theater thing, and I'm sitting there watching a little Shakespeare, completely confused, and I look up, and there is Caitlin on some banner. On a banner that was waving in the wind. It was. You're yeah. kind of a big deal. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit of a big deal, which makes sense for why I'd get into therapy. Exactly, right? So, all right, so my guest today, I guess I just did a big, long intro kind of singing your praises that went before this, but it is still Caitlin Markham, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I've been dying to get Caitlin on because, and I'm going to be so vulnerable here, uh, you will be doing the heavy lifting today, if that is okay, because we are here to talk about, um, what? Eating disorders. Eating disorders, and I just, that is, and I'm not saying this, like, unempathetically, like, I don't want somebody to feel like, man, Tony's kind of a jerk about eating disorders, but I just, it's, I, I, you know, I, I refer out to experts like yourself to work with eating disorders. So there's a part of me that even when I was doing my research, I I don't even really know if I know the right questions to ask. And so, um, I'm just excited to kind of hear what you have to say about them. So welcome to the virtual couch. Thanks. And I think for me, it's, you're going to learn that, you know, a lot more than you think. Aww. This is, well, not just because <laughs> clinically. I yeah. mean, you're smart. Yeah, I got that. But also <laughs> that it's a lot more well-known than people know. And okay. there's a lot of, like, disordered eating that everybody indulges in. And then there's eating disorders. But oh, wow. it's a lot more familiar than people give it credit for. Okay, so before we go down that path, do, do you mind giving us a little bit of background? Who is Caitlin Markham? <laughs> um. Hi, I'm Caitlin. I hi, I can't do like formal bios. Uh, I am a therapist. I'm a marriage and family therapy associate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still accruing my hours for licensure in the state of California. I went to BYU for undergrad, Brigham Young University. Go Cougs! And then I went to Pepperdine University in Malibu um, for my graduate work. Go which, Waves. Which is, I, you know, I've driven <laughs> by the Pepperdine campus a couple times, and like that had to have been a rough place to go to school. Oh, you go to the – so the graduate school is at the very top of the hill. Wow. Overlooking the cliff and the Pacific Coast Highway and the ocean. Did you have from your classroom, could you see the ocean? No, but from the library you could. Wow. So the library, they have these big panoramic windows, and when it's sunset, it's Uh like, oh. Oh, gosh. And I'm like, this is why my parents paid so much money to (laughs) to send me here. Okay. Um, And and Caitlin, you are, I love, uh, you kind of joked the other day when I was uh, trying to, we were nailing down this booking. You represent what audience to me? You are? You're young, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm the youth. That's I'm the right. youth vote. Exactly. I think so far I've had nothing but just uh, kaji old professionals on. So <laughs> it's exciting. I'm a little crusty, but I'm not old. Okay. So. All right. Fair enough. And did you get into therapy with a specific uh, population you wanted to work with? Well, so I grew up doing ballet. Okay. And I saw eating disorders. Um, with a lot of people in my ballet and dance companies. And Mm. so I was originally interested in eating disorders and then um, got into clinical psych in undergrad. And then when I first started really working with the eating disorder population, I realized that it was not what I thought. Okay. And then had my own experience with an eating disorder. And it was completely different from what it just like rocked my world. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, I don't know, you want to take us a little bit through, you, you're an associate, how close are you to finishing up all your hours and all that good stuff? Uh, so this year, I will finish up hopefully by June. Nice. Yeah. Okay. In the home stretch. Oh, I'm in the home stretch. It's taking so long. Yeah. It's a long, a long process. It's a long but nice process. And I really like being able to work in the private practice setting, Mm -hmm. um, because I do get to see the whole gambit of, um, the range of eating disorder, people with eating disorders get anxiety, get oh, right, sexual right. trauma, get okay. all three of those together, you know. Yeah. So where do you want to start? Do you want to kind of start uh, breaking down myths? Do you want to kind of define or um, you tell me? Well, what are you most interested in? Everything. 
Okay, that doesn't help. <laughs> okay, so I will tell you that um, I think when when I think of an eating disorder, uh, I just assume that we're talking about anorexia, you know, and I don't know what to do with that because, and this is my vulnerability, and I, and maybe this is the role that a lot of parents feel or people that want to help um, is that they just feel like okay, but just maybe eat more, you know, or mm-hmm. and they just I don't you know you don't understand the underlying cause of it, and then so there's that part, uh, you know, I'd love to talk about that, and then there's uh, uh, binging and purging or bulimia or, you know, it, all these various, do you want to kind of just take us through what each one of those is maybe? Uh, yeah. So there are three main categories of eating disorders. Okay. Um, so there's anorexia nervosa, which is the typical, like really skinny, um, restricting is really common. There's binging and purging in every single category, but okay. so this is a typically really thin, what you think of like ballerina type person. Yeah. And then we have, uh, Bulimia, bulimic, bulimia nervosa, um, which they're more of like the average, maintain an average body weight because it involves binging, high caloric value. So not some people are like, oh, yeah, I binged today. But it's like having two boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts. Yeah. Not having like, oh, I had five peanut butter M&Ms. It's like, yeah. no, hun, you got a long way to go. So yeah. it's really high caloric value. So when you're eating it. Even if you throw it up later, you're metabolizing a lot of the calories, so you're not really like doing any damage, okay. so to say. Well, and that's why, and I, I think the first experience I had with that was somebody telling me that they, on their way home from work every day, would would basically stop through Taco Bell and eat a bunch, mm-hmm. then stop through McDonald's drive through, eat a bunch, and then go home and then eat dinner. Yeah, and that's really common. Okay, yeah, and that's common for like the binging foods is like fast food, something that is like easy to just. Ingest ice cream. Uh-huh. I had somebody who, or I had a client who, like cereal. Like at night, they would just like eat boxes of cereal. Um, but so binging followed by purging, and it could be like actual like vomiting, or it could be purging through exercise, excessive uh, exercise. Okay. Um, yeah, and then the last one, which was added recently, uh, is binge eating disorder, which is the most common one in the U.S. Okay. Um, and that's, you know, binging sans purging. Okay. So just binge. Yeah. Okay. So what do you see the most of? Here? In yeah. suburbia? Sure. <laughs> yeah. In suburbia, I see a lot of anorexia. Um, and then I see a lot of disordered eating Okay. with clients who are coming in for other things. So disordered eating is different from eating disorder because it doesn't necessarily meet all the criteria, but you're engaging in the behaviors that somebody with an eating disorder engages in. Okay. So what does that, what does that mean? So like somebody who would binge, but it's not binging and purging to the amount that it qualifies as bulimia or somebody who's restricting, like that's really common. Restricting is super common in, uh, teenagers in this area. Uh Um, but is it to the point where their BMI is at a certain gotcha. number? So like, then no. some clinical diagnosis, right? Not quite there, right? Yeah. So where do you put the, you know, ideal? So the part that I do feel okay with working with is that uh, people who it, it's basically therapeutic eating, you know, yeah. where that's where they turn to eating for everything, you know, to make them feel good, basically, right? Yeah. Where, where does that, does that fit into something in particular or? Well, I think that's how we conceptualize eating disorders. Okay. Just personally. So... Eating disorders, it's not necessarily about the food. Food is the weapon of choice. Okay. So I kind of come from a uh, a little bit of an addiction perspective. Mm-hmm. Of So a lot of times eating disorders are like can be viewed as an addiction where somebody's using heroin to numb out from an emotional state. Yeah. These people are, or this population is using food. And whether or not it's like withdrawing from food or completely immersing themselves in food, the food is becoming something more than just food or life-sustaining energy. It's numbing out emotions or it's turning to that as the main coping tool. Okay. Um, And so from that standpoint, I think that is probably, uh, that's on the rise, I would imagine. Well, that's disordered eating. All of us do it. It's so common in like TV. It's like, oh, I'm so sad. I'm just going to eat all of this chocolate ice cream because my boyfriend broke up with me. Like. That's not a healthy coping tool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that is technically disordered eating. And so, like I was saying at the very beginning, like it's a lot more common. These elements of an eating disorder, these less formal elements that really make up the disorder, Uh 
are so much more common than people assume. Okay. So if you are having somebody then that comes to you with the disordered eating then, and that, so they're turning to food as therapy, um, what, what, you know, how do you work with that or what, what do you need to address? Uh, well, that's like asking, where does an eating disorder come from? Let's do it. Oh man. But there, it depends on what you, uh, what school of thought you're coming from. Okay. But I see a lot of people with sexual trauma, okay. uh, come in who engage in, uh, anorexia. Okay. Um, so in a lot of that, it's like childhood sexual trauma where the eating disorder serves to, they're trying to make themselves either look less feminine so that oh, wow. as a protective defensive mechanism, um, so that they don't look like a woman, so they won't be abused. Wow. I never, I never thought of it like that way. Oh okay. yeah. Or okay. when, or another thing with childhood sexual trauma and anorexia is a lot of times, uh, people with both of those, uh, they're engaging in the eating disorder to disappear. Okay. So like they don't want to be there. They feel like wow. really depressed and they're just getting thinner and thinner and thinner because the purpose is like just wow. to disappear and not be seen. So, okay. So, you know, and I think that my, and maybe this is the pop psychology part of it, but I always assumed or worked with the thought that it was more about, you know, if you didn't have control in your life, you could control your caloric intake, but it's deeper than that. Or is that a part of it? Or, or I mean, I think like with all disorders, there's a range of severity mm-hmm. and there's a range of different things that you can come from there definitely is the control the control one you see well you see a lot of that with anorexia you see a lot of that with bulimia because bulimia is the control and then or like i'm trying to get control in a chaotic universe and then i have no control in the chaotic universe and a lot of like the zero to 100 black or white thinking um something that's really interesting about bulimia is uh people who uh, feel like they don't have a voice or they aren't being heard. A lot of times, the act of purging is like them getting all of wow. it out. Okay. And yeah. so, in working in like residential treatment centers, when somebody was feeling stifled, like a lot of times they purge, and then afterwards, when we're processing it, they're like, "Oh yeah, I just like really wanted to say all these things." So wow. then therapy would be. How do you use your words to speak your needs, and how do you communicate instead of turning to something that really has nothing to do with yeah. communicating. So did you, and I don't, I guess I don't know even enough about your background before you came here, but so did you do time, did you do some time in a residential treatment center, like as a therapist or? Yeah, I, that was okay. my practicum. Ah. My big graduate practicum internship was at a residential eating disorder clinic. So, okay. So what did you see there? Like, what, or Everything. what was that word? Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> Everything. All right. And really so intense. I, so that's making, you know, in my world, I guess, since I don't know enough about this world, I think that is where I just assume that it's like, yeah, just, Caitlin, come on for 40 minutes and tell us what an eating disorder <laughs> is and how you fix it and what people should say to people who have one. Thank you. Know? you you're on your way. Yeah. Exactly, right? But so now, I'm, I, all right, all right, I can get in the picture. A little, little more complicated. Yeah, right? it's com- It's so interesting. Okay. It's like infinitely interesting. A lot of, oh, another thing, These. this is going to seem so scatterbrained, but I'm just thinking of things. Um, for people with sexual trauma, a lot of times when they're feeling full, like that can mimic feeling physically violated. Oh wow! And so the oh, feeling wow. of full becomes <clears throat> just a representation or a reminder or a trigger of when they were sexually violated, or if there was a really traumatic pregnancy or an abortion. Like it can feel like it, like the weight there is. It's more than just yeah. the food, and more than just the image piece, which is what I think society or our specific society like focuses so much on is like eating is eating disorders are only because you want to look look a certain way i think that yeah no that's i think part of my naivete with it and so to kind of look at it in that way of so i never want to feel full again because i never want to have that thought of or trigger of this time that i had no control or that i was this traumatic time yeah okay wow yeah no, no no i'm 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 kind of buying what you're selling. I mean, I'm learning a little more, right? <laughs> good. So, then I'm good at my job. Exactly. So then if you, okay, so then I think maybe if you can spend a moment though, if you've got somebody listening to the podcast right now and let's say that they have a teenage daughter who is, you know, just extremely thin and they're mm-hmm. worried about their, just, you know, this is anorexia and they need to eat more or that sort of thing then because the, that this parent isn't informed, mm-hmm. um, what do they do? I mean, obviously it would be great if they could get them to see a therapist who specializes in eating disorders, right? But but I think... My number just, will be attached to this podcast. Exactly, right? <laughs> but I think your point is really good, though, because I think that it, it is kind of more of just people thinking, 
that, that, that there's not all of these deeper underlying issues. That yeah. It's more of just, they just want to be skinny. They just want to look whatever. Well, and that is what misses the mark. And that's where parents and loved ones really kind of put their foots in their mouths because they focus on the weight or yeah. they focus on the food. And it's not about the weight or the food. Wow. It's about something else. And so even if you go into, I see this a lot, like, families sending their teenagers or like spouses going into a residential treatment facility where you're essentially force fed and they gain the mandatory weight to leave and then they lose it right away because it's not addressing the underlying issue it's the band-aid over a bullet hole yeah so So, no wonder like the recidivism rate of that is oh yeah right well i mean and it's just a really ridiculous disorder to have because Think about it. If you're thinking about it, okay, here we go. This is what I'd say to like a parent. Okay. Um, we're going to have a reframe of an eating disorder. So it's not about the weight. It's not about the food necessarily, depending on the case. Everybody's different. Um, but think about if you were an addict okay. and you were an alcoholic. Like you could not go to a bar or not go to a liquor store and be fine for the rest of your life. Uh-huh. But with an eating disorder, you oh. can't, an abstinence-based program yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah. work because you have to face your fear multiple times a day in order right. to stay alive. Yeah. So I think more along the lines of people with like sex addiction uh-huh. or people with like compulsive masturbation or yeah. stuff like that where that's essentially kind of like sex is an important part of a relationship and an important part of just like human life Yeah, that you can't necessarily avoid that for the rest of your life and go on normal functioning. Right. But then we get that and it's like, how often do you need sex versus how, how often do you have to eat in order yeah. to stay alive? Yeah. Okay. So that I think thinking about that and reframing it that way helps for parents and loved ones to really, and friends to have empathy for what they're going through and okay. to take it more seriously yeah. than what it is because it also is a really um like biological like medical issue as well so when people come in for anxiety or depression as you know as a therapist and as you know if you're listening to Tony's blog or podcast, podcast sorry sorry um then you know that we do a lot of like cognitive behavioral therapy where it's like, okay, so you're doing all or nothing thinking. Mm-hmm. Let's help you. Where that comes from. Yeah, let's yeah. figure that out. Or let's teach you how the solution is to teach you how to scale it to be yeah. like, okay, so it's not always the worst day in the whole entire world or like the best day in the whole entire world. Like there are things in between. Yeah. But so you take that, which is what people with eating disorders do. It's like if I eat this one piece of popcorn, this is a true story. Wow. A girl who thought if she ate popcorn, she was crying. And I'm like, why aren't you just eating this popcorn? It wasn't even buttered or salted. And uh-huh. I'm like drooling because I'm, I'm a big foodie. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I want that popcorn. And we we're doing like a challenge snack. And uh, she's like, if I eat this, like I just imagine it going like me like eating it and then it going boop, 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 boop into my stomach and then just sticking to my thighs. Wow. And for most of us, like – you know, we don't think about that. But so there's a perfect example of her engaging in a cognitive distortion. Uh So like her thinking this all or nothing, like if I eat one piece of popcorn, my thighs are going to get bigger. Okay. So we would want to address that. But at the same time, her brain starved. Yeah. So you're trying to do the same things that other people are doing with less mental capacity to do it. Yeah. So it's a really, it, it, you just have to be like really patient with clients and like the treatment team approach where you're working with a dietitian or a nutritionist and the doctors. And so like you're saying eat more popcorn, popcorn all the time. It's Actually, good. it's like two cups oh. for a serving. No. Yeah. So is, I'm guessing that a large tub at the movies is two cups. Yes, definitely. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you are good. I will <laughs> sign off on that. Your meal plan is complete. <laughs> but okay, but I like. I mean, so really though, you are saying yeah. Now it, it is more. It's patience. It's not just saying sit at the table till you eat all your food. It's we're that, gonna deal with this, uh, but we're also gonna deal with. We got to deal with the. Okay, so let's look at that one thing. That's something okay. that parents say all the time. Absolutely. Um, I heard that growing up. Love you, mom. You're great. Uh, I didn't internalize that as an eating disorder, but it's like it's the kid is hearing something else aside from just like sit here and eat all the food until it's done. It's like, 
a lot of times it's with parental like attachment pressures yeah. and it's like you're not okay if you don't finish all if this they don't food. Love me if I don't finish my food. It's turning food into something more than food and the um, eating experience into something more than the eating experience. So treatment is really looking at how do we make the food just food? How do you make the eating experience just eating and take away all the emotional weight wow. that is on there? Wait. <laughs> but okay, well then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And now, now I'm going all over the place with this, but man, I just thought about when you talk about then, I mean, cause you say you're a foodie, right? Mm-hmm. I love food as well. And sometimes I think if I'm frustrated with, you know, if I'm not eating as well as I should, I think, man, I wish food was just fuel. I know there are people that do operate that way, but then there's this part of me that's frightened that then life wouldn't be as rich and you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but I mean, so where do you go with that? If somebody's kind of bringing that to you, if they're like, but I, I don't want to lose this relationship I have with food. Well, usually the relationship they they have with food is like an abusive partner. Oh. It's, it's not a healthy okay, relationship. That is your mic drop moment. Right that's there. my mic drop? Oh. Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, well, and that's one thing that we try to do uh, that's really effective in treating eating disorders is this postmodern approach of reconceptualizing the eating disorder as like... The ED, okay. the eating disorder versus you. Oh, gotcha. External. Okay, so and so like yeah, it. externalizing yeah, yeah. it, okay. detangling mm-hmm. your values from the eating disorder values, and because a lot of times when you're hearing this voice in your head saying all these things, and it's really easy for you to be like, oh yeah, that's just me. Uh-huh. But it's like no, like you have other values. Like yeah. you want to have a healthy relationship with your spouse. You want to have a healthy relationship with your family. The eating disorder doesn't want that. So how can we wow. sever the ties so that you can live more aligned to your values, and those will strengthen you, so you can do the hard things like face food every single day. Okay. So um, are we are we at a place right now where you, you know? Do you want to kind of talk about how you do that? I mean, what 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 is a treatment plan? I mean, I know that I kind of already. Can hear you saying, "Well, it depends," because this is like you know the, the, what I what you get in your office probably like snowflakes. No two are really alike, mm-hmm. right? Um, can you kind of give me if we go back to the um, mom who's listening to this who sees that they their daughter maybe is they she believes she's anorexic and mm-hmm. we're telling her, "Hey, don't um, just say stay at the table and eat more," you know, and we're gonna say we're gonna say, "Okay, we got the eating disorder, but let's see what's underneath that." We're mm-hmm. sending her to a professional. What does that What does that mom do at home? I guess it kind of goes back to you were talking about a treatment team of sorts, right? Yeah. Okay. So having the parents in, and having the family, maybe not all the family in, but like really including the family and the support system in the treatment is really important because uh, a lot of times isolation occurs and. Okay. Like people want to cut off and because there's such a specific language for the eating disorder population that parents don't necessarily understand. Like there, you can make some harmless comment. Oh, okay. Okay. Here's an example. Okay. Oh my goodness. So my first client ever, um, 13 year old, really young, really devastating case, uh, of severe anorexia. Um, and she was like, Five foot eight, so like my height, Uh and really, really thin. I was trying to get to know her a little bit better, and uh, I and this was in a residential setting, so it wasn't just me. There were other counselors too, but so I was trying to get to know her, and she was really quiet, and she said something about liking stuffed animals, and I was like, oh my gosh! I was at Costco the other day, and I saw this giant teddy bear. It was massive. It was like as big as you. Uh And then I was like, oh, why? say like in my head I was like oh and I see her face drop and then luckily there was another like more seasoned counselor who came over and she's like I think she means like as tall as you and I was like oh, yes I was that is what Costco, I mean right I'm thinking like wait a minute Caitlin said Costco oh no, no. see wow but so something is yeah. harmless that, because at Costco they have those oh, like yeah, yeah. really yeah, yeah. person-sized teddy bears but as for me as you is like whoa right yeah for me I was just like oh yeah like this teddy bear here's wow. the way that I'm gonna build some rapport with this client but it, for her she was like oh you think I'm big. Wow. So people, yeah. I think yeah, that's good. Yeah. Friends and family don't understand or they don't really know what's sticking in the brain of the person with the eating disorder. Cause the person with the eating disorder is living a completely different existence than the family members. So having them in is really important, even just to have those moments of the, you said this and I really picked this out yeah, of it. Okay. And then them being like, I didn't even pay Atten- I didn't even know that I said that. Yeah. And I have that all the time. I 
when I see couples and one of them has an eating disorder, like it's really incredible work because those moments are just happening all the time of like, I said this and I was paying attention to this and it's not anybody without an eating disorder wouldn't know that you're picking up on that. Yeah. Um, boy, I, I'm, if you ever, if any of those other examples come to mind, just pop up with them. Cause I'm trying to think, I bet we do that all the time. Right. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, I see that in all kinds of, you know, even at times when there's been infidelity and somebody will say something that will trigger someone, you know, or you're watching something on TV or uh, even I saw so if mm-hmm. I'm being really honest, vulnerable here. Um, if you know that somebody's had, um, you know, some someone that has maybe committed suicide in their family. And if you're, you know, somebody's like, man, I want to. You know, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah. even want to say it, right? Yeah. But like I've got one one kid that it was telling me. You know, his his go to was always like, oh, "I just want to kill myself," mm-hmm. right? It's like, okay, no, no, no. We don't kind of throw that out there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but people probably do that with food and size and those kind of things all the time. Well, yeah, and it's not. There's a big controversy going on in Utah right now, uh-huh. and it's like bloggers against subscribers, I guess, um, where. They're really, people are getting really suicidal. The suicide rate is really high right now. Uh-huh. And people are blaming bloggers who are just posting like perfect pictures of their lives. Uh-huh. And so there's kind of this debate back and forth about who's necessarily responsible. And I think in this case, and where parents kind of can take a deep breath and not be like, oh my gosh, like now I have to think about everything that I've Good ever point. said ever, yeah. is the purpose isn't necessarily to limit your vocabulary, it's to make you more mindful. So coming in and having these experiences, it's not that, oh, you're bad and you're the one causing the eating disorder now because each client has the ability to change and each client has ability to refocus what they pay attention to. Uh But being able to bring everybody into a space where they can point out that that's happening and then the other person can refute it and be like, this is not what I mean. Mm -hmm. And then me as a therapist, I can be like, okay, so let's look at how the ED would focus on this. Whereas like, how would you as a teenager focus on this? Or how would you as a spouse focus on what they said? Okay. And so really like, you know, detangling the two things and not focusing on blame as much as we focus on, uh, what, we can do better. And if sure. we're blaming anything, we're blaming the eating disorder. Okay. And, I, and, and in my world, my, you know, the EFT emotionally focused therapy, you're, you're giving them the tools to give that a voice. So if the client hears that in a moment with their parent, they feel like they can now say, Hey, guess what? Exactly. And the parent not going, okay, that's ridiculous. That's not, you know, it's like, okay, I can, I, I hear you. Here's what I was. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's what makes them makes anybody like a better, yeah. more full human being is by, um, Speaking up when they're offended and, you know, communicating their needs and then having a partner who will be able to validate those and reflect and then just progress together. Yep. And that's the big part, right? And and so uh, shout out to, I think it's, uh, EFT is like my soapbox. Sue Johnson. Yeah. Hold me tight. Right. That's the book. But that's, I think it's in my uh, episode 26. I mean, I literally had a plan to do 25 episodes of the podcast before Mm -hmm. I did that one because I wanted, I wanted to build a little steam because that is what I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. Because if we give the teenager the voice to do that, but then the parent out of your office Mm -hmm. goes back and shuts that down. Now, now, you know, we need to fix that right yeah okay i love it um okay eating disorder back to that uh gosh you 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 have changed my view on this (laughs) entire thing right so in that world we're almost doing the eft work of sorts is helping so what do you you know what do you say to the need for caloric intake though Uh, you know because i like what you said earlier about Actually, the brain is being starved. Yeah. Um, you know, I had our colleague Shelly Aldrich do a podcast on anxiety, and she was talking about when that the executive functioning of the mm-hmm. brain is compromised, you know, during anxiety, and then one can't think straight. I would imagine when the brain is starved, we're kind of doing that same thing, right? Yeah. Okay. So there's, I think it's having a lot of balls in the air at the same time. Okay. Um, and being able to, uh, adjust to what focus you're going to be focusing on. So. Okay. For, like, if I'm seeing a couple, um, it will be, like, me reminding the partner, hey, have patience because they're trying to battle these things, but they really don't have the brain capacity to battle yeah. these things until they gain some of the weight. And it's kind of like a tricky cycle because it's like sure. you, your brain needs to be healthier for your brain to get healthier. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you need partner on board. Yeah. Okay. But so I work uh, 
with dietitians. Okay. Um, and they do things like meal plans to be able to meet the uh, medical side because I'm not a medical professional. Yeah. Um, but something that I do is I then help to make sure that they're not inserting um, the client is not inserting like psychological toxicity into the way that they're carrying out their meal plan. So gotcha. here's an example. This okay. is my favorite example of meal plans gone wrong okay. or meal plans made by somebody with an eating disorder. Okay. So I had a client come in and they had met with a dietitian and they had uh, a meal plan and it was like, for breakfast, there are a certain number of exchanges. So that's what we say for like serving sizes or whatever. Oh, it's like okay. an exchange. So a protein exchange and a fruit exchange and mm. a dairy exchange and a carb. Um, and then so then the dietitian will say you need one of each of these exchanges for breakfast or whatever. And then uh, the client is supposed to, when they're in a healthier place, they're supposed to fill in, make their own meal plans using those exchanges uh, and then okay. do that. Okay. So my client for the specific incident um, was at a place where the dietitian's like, okay, I'm not going to pick everything for you now. I'm just going to give you your exchanges and you fill it out. And so they filled it out and uh, then came into me and we were talking about the success or the failure that the client was having with that. And the client was like, you know, it was awful and I just really hate food and I hate eating and it was just a really awful experience and I don't want to do this meal plan and they're feeling really down. And so I'm like, well, let's look at what the meal plan is. And so the client met all of the exchanges, but the things that they made for breakfast that they made as exchanges were so gross together. It was a dark chocolate, like a piece of dark chocolate, a corn tortilla or two corn tortillas, um, salsa, and then I think like some cheese or something like that, oh, but not okay. melted cheese. I don't even know. It was, yeah. and then I think grapefruit. Okay. It was like the most disgusting breakfast I've ever like <laughs> thought of. And yeah. I don't have an eating disorder. Yeah, yeah. And, but because I think, well, when we looked at it, it was like, okay, so you want to be doing your people pleasing thing and like say, look, I met my meal plan, but like, what would the eating disorder want you to do? Have a miserable experience. So, so teach you. Yeah, treatment. sabotage. Yeah. Do punitive eating, wow. which happens a lot. So how am I meeting my meal plan but still making it a horrible thing so wow. I internalize it as oh. eating is awful? Sure. Okay. And so that's what they were doing. And I looked at like a couple of the dinner plans that they had written out for the week. And I was like, no, we got to redo this. So okay. my job as a therapist isn't to be like, the dietitian, like these are the exchanges that you need to have, but like, where is the eating disorder coming in and making you set yourself up for failure? That makes sense. So then it's, so you can then literally sit there and do the work around, uh, literally like, what do you like or what is tolerable or what, oh, what is yeah. better or we come up with like exposure foods, mm. which that's fun for me. Um, because they bring in lists of foods that they're really afraid of or like uh, places that they've always wanted to go, but they're, they're going to have a panic attack if they go to. Uh-huh. And then we do like an exposure thing yeah. um, to help them get ready. And then they go with their family or their spouse. And it's like blizzards, French fries, like lobster. I think you said lizard. You oh, no, lizard, blizzards, okay. like Dairy I, Queen. Oh, yeah, Heath. I, I love Heath blizzards. Oh, Butterfinger, man. Yeah, Butterfinger. So. Oh, but, uh-huh. and I'm just thinking, I'm like, oh, all these sound so delicious. Yeah. And they're like, this will be awful. This will be awful. And I'm like, okay. So then, along with the meal plans and along with regular therapy and family therapy and couples therapy and stuff like that, that we do. Um, there's a part of it where, I mean, a big part of it is like the food is the fear. So how can we, um, acclimate you to the sphere that you're going to have to deal with? And then how can we bring things that you really miss about your past life before you had an eating disorder or stuff that you see other people eating normally and you want to be able to deal with that like how do we slowly incorporate that in so having exposures be a part of the work is a fun thing okay. for me no it sounds really good and so have you brought stuff in your office by the way that you've eaten yes it, what's what anything come to mind it's- uh mcdonald's apple pies oh i haven't had one of those in a long time oh my gosh i had one last night what, it was do- so good it was so good <laughs> oh it was so but yeah and it was like i have to be careful because you know i love food and even when i was at the residential treatment center um 
sometimes clients would put comments after meals saying like, counselor Caitlin ate really fast. She probably has an eating disorder. Really? Because <laughs> I eat really fast. And so we're trying to do mindful eating and I'm just like, oh, this is really good. Or I'd ask the chef like, hey, can I have some chips with our sandwich for lunch? And they'd be like, what is she doing? Binging. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, That's funny. But so having to be having to eat the McDonald's apple pie slowly and mm. like, oh. and really be with them while they're facing these big fears. Wow. And yeah. And at the end of that, you're like, you going to finish that? Right. We throw it away, but I, I eat sometimes if I have a break in between that session, and the next one, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to say, you know, that we are very close to each other office wise, right? Oh yeah. I'll just bring one, throw it your way. Okay. <laughs> okay. I have two more quick thoughts. We still have a little bit of time. Um, one is Tony's ADD moment. Are you ready? Yeah. That's where my mind went. Uh, I had a client that I was working with with a particular issue that if we hit some milestones, we were going to celebrate. And I just read about uh, M berries, miracle berries. Are you familiar with those? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Okay. So just go look at them on. I found them on Amazon. And uh, it's some weird berry. Um, I, I, maybe I'm making this up in my mind, but from the Amazon. I think everybody comes from the Amazon. Or, or Amazon.com. And it was Amazon.com where I got them. From the Amazon. From, from the Amazon. <laughs> Is that meta? Is that what the, the, the kids say these days? Yeah. Is that just meta? I don't think the kids say that, but that is meta. <laughs> you're, you're, I, that's why I have you on here, though. I need that youth, uh, youth, The youthful thing. But so the Miracle Berry changes your taste buds and just throws them out of alignment for about two hours. So this client and I went, we got, you get fruit. You can supposedly, like, drink ketchup, eat an onion, these sort of things, and, they, and it makes the ketchup sweet. The onion sweet. You know, all these things. You eat, like, gummy bears, and they taste gross, and strawberries taste like sugar. I mean, it's... It's the wildest thing. So, you know, I, I had, and it was in here, we had a spread of just junk, you know, and uh, and then took these miracle berries and had to sit there for about 10 or 15 minutes. And then, man, what a, what a, what an experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it just hijacked my taste buds. That was uh, Tony's ADD moment. But okay. It's kind of grossing me out thinking about you like chugging ketchup over here. Yeah. That was, I, I didn't chug it, but I ate it with a spoon. Oh, oh. Yeah. 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 Well, I think, okay, with that. To make it a little bit less ADD, yeah, uh, is that with eating disorders, a lot of times, like, so I'll have families or partners who really want their, like, who love food yeah. and who want to be able to go out and have a good food mm. experience or even, like, go out and get some drinks at a bar, uh-huh. but their spouse or their family member is like, oh, all these calories, like, oh, yeah. like trying to do all the math yeah, and fixate yeah. it on something else. And so they can get really frustrated being like, I just want you to enjoy it. I just want to have like a good experience. Like, um, and I think, you know, here's where the patience comes in again is it's not necessarily the focus isn't getting them to enjoy the food as much as it is to first get the emotions away from the food, yes. the negative emotions away from the food, then have it just be like regular eating and feeding. Yeah. And then once they're more healthy, then they can start paying attention to hunger cues. But okay. for a lot of people, I mean, actually throughout all of the eating disorders, like the ability to pay attention to when you're full and when you're not, like it's so skewed that you can't trust people yeah. to, you know, eat it or just be like, oh, I'm going to enjoy this until I'm full or, yeah. oh, I'm going to have like this food experience. It's it's so easy to like skew off path into eating disorders that it's just like, let's focus on feeding and feeding the proper amount. And then after they're healthy enough, then we can bring in the enjoying. And that's why I like to do uh, the exposures with if I'm seeing a couple like with the spouse and be like, okay, well, what's something that you really want to do? And maybe we can make it into exposure. So that way they're having the fun experience yeah. and they're able to be there for their partner while their partner's freaking out, but then also get a little bit of the like, Oh, but did you have that bite of Butterfinger in that blizzard? Like yeah. it was so delicious, or you Heath, know, or Heath or Heath. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, and I really, where, where you just went there, I just, my couple's brain just kind of exploded. I remember a couple long ago that I worked with where they had had regular date nights for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then he, he had become very worried and concerned that he, you know, his wife had developed an eating disorder. And so then they slowly that it became the, she didn't want to go out. She didn't want the calories. She didn't want the, and so they stopped the date nights. And then it is interesting to see that there can kind of be this, uh, train of consequences kind of because then the relationship kind of starts to have a little fissure there and there's you know oh and yeah that, yeah so I mean the other so that's the other consequences that can happen from something like this are are tragic right oh yeah and especially with I mean almost every disorder but uh, with eating disorders 
there's a tendency to think for the patient or for the client to think that it's uh, they're only doing it to themselves, but it's not. It's yeah. it's happening to everybody, and it's such an intra-relational, intrapersonal uh-huh. uh, issue yeah. um, that you have to not only examine it from the individual and what trauma is starting that to how is it impacting their outside world, yeah. which then impacts them. Which you And the know. hard part is then that person is so probably angry from the attempts to say, I think you something's wrong, that then they just shut punitive down all communication. Eat, yeah. yeah, and yeah. then that's a huge thing okay. is to get back into like the punitive, like, oh, you, you keep on pestering me about my weight, and so I think that you're not being supportive, so I'm not going to eat. Yeah. Well, if you just think that I'm not going to eat all my meal plan, then I'm not going to eat it. Wow. You know? Yeah. And so, once again, taking something that's not about food and making it about the food. Yeah. So, it's like our relationship and my fear that you aren't trusting me and that you aren't being supportive. And then the spouse's fear that uh, their spouse will never get better. And that because things like anorexia, like really high uh, death rate with Uh, that, like it's it's one of the most, if not the most. Uh Uh-huh like deadly uh, mental health disorder that you can have. So then like being really concerned about that um, and then both people are taking on the food. So the spouse is guilty of saying we need to focus on your weight when what they should be saying is, you know, I'm worried about your physical health and I don't want to lose you and I love you. And then, yeah. Yeah. And then the other person Mm. should say not screw you. I'm not going to eat today, but I when you said this, it was really invalidating and I'm afraid that you're going to leave me like everybody else has left me and I'm just going to be here with my eating disorder. Yeah, I love that. And that's, uh, and then I I do have to say, uh, this is one of those good ones with the couple I'm thinking about. We were able to do nice couples work there Mm -hmm. and, and I think it was a, they went on to live happily ever after, but that was, they had developed this plan over years of then just totally disengaging from each other because of, and it all, I think was, the genesis was more of the eating disorder. You know, mm-hmm. became the elephant in the room. Um, all right, we only have a few minutes left. Do you mind? Can I? Uh, or do you take requests? Some requests? <laughs> no, okay. You you can go. I don't. No, I, no, no, I'm no, not, not sure. No, not. Uh, <laughs> what is that? Your look, right? Uh, Titanic. No. My heart will go on. Okay, Dion, right, no, go. No, no. Uh, so no requests. So I do. You know, there there are a couple of people I work with that it is specifically the. It is just the binging, not even the purging, just the binging. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I and I'm you know kind of assuming that from what you've kind of helped with already today that that is about we need to look at the other things that are going on there, mm-hmm. right? But if you get a new client, well, I guess that is. I mean, what do you tell a client who that is their their main problem? It is the you know it's uh, their go to is just stopping by and binging on fast food before they go home because that's the comfort. But then they feel so bad about the fact that they did it, and then that brings on the guilt and shame, and so then they detach from you know mm-hmm. family and responsibilities and what do you do with something like that well with binge eating disorders specifically there's a lot of it's really interesting to be in a room with somebody who has binge eating disorder a lot of times um people who are friends and family members will say that it feels like they're all consuming oh. and even sometimes like in you're in the room talking with somebody with binge eating disorder and i've had moments where like they're leaning forward and the automatic reaction is like, it's kind of like they want to eat me, like they want to consume me. And it's yeah. not necessarily like food or cannibalism, but it's like this feeling, this such insecurity that like nothing is ever going to be enough yeah. sort of a thing in a relationship and so a friendship. To the podcast listener, Caitlin is leaning forward toward me right now. I am. And I'm, I have my arms extended. <laughs> I'm frightened. <laughs> gestures, big gestures are happening. No, okay. But it's like, uh, so it's a lot of working on. Uh, healthy relationships and social skills building um, the, you know, mindful eating. So it's getting back to let's not detach from the emotions Yeah. or if you do go out and binge, like let's stop it from becoming like a massive binge. Okay. So um, a little bit of harm reduction there. Some harm reduction. Stuff. And really, I mean, I'm kind of dialing more to the concept of a treatment team. So if this person doesn't feel like they can open up to their spouse or they feel like their spouse is not a safe place, I mean, that that's that's something that needs to be worked on, right? Well, and more often than not with people with binge eating disorder, it's the spouse is already super exhausted. So it's mm. setting boundaries 
with the spouse on the spouse part and on the client's part. Okay. So it's the, how do we say what you mean? Once again, getting back to communicating needs as opposed to over communicating everything and, you know, what do you really need versus what is your eating disorder telling you that you need? Wow. Okay. That's a good part right there. Um, what is that? Cause externalizing that eating disorder, I think is if, if there's a tool that people can walk away with even today, well, first of all, treatment team, get help. Um, being able to have effective communication and then externalizing the eating disorder and then realizing its goal is to cause chaos, hijack your life, your relationships. To your, kill them. Yeah. It wants them dead. Okay. All right. And uh, we do not want that. No. Yeah. Understatement of the entire podcast. <laughs> right. Caitlin, before we end, tell us about that cat scratch on your hand. Oh, I, it's my fault. <laughs> she said in her toxic relationship. Uh <laughs> I got a cat when I was nine, and I was obsessed with Mariah Carey at the time, so I named her Mariah Kitty. Oh. And she is a diva. (laughs) And I don't know what I was thinking. Like, of course she's going to be a diva. And so she scratched me the other day. And people keep on asking me if I have a cat. And I'm like, yeah, why? And I think I have cat hair. And they're like, no, No, that gash on your hand. giant gash on your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Mariah Kitty. Mariah Kitty. That's impressive. I think that that is probably the way we end this podcast. I mean... Any other way? No. Caitlin Markham, thank you so much. I mean, this I learned a lot, and and I think that a lot of people are going to pull a lot of good stuff out of here. I want to bring you on someday to talk about uh, just ways the young kids act. Yeah. Well, I so real quick, sorry, when I was thinking about this, one of the main things that uh, came up for me was comparison. So eating disorders, comparison is a massive part of it. Okay. And then I was, then I took it away from just eating disorders. And right now I think with the youths, me and the youths, there are issues that didn't necessarily occur before because of social media in the comparison department. Oh, okay. Um, so we'll need to talk Can about we do that. that. Okay. Yeah. And then that's the time where we'll also talk about how you take my diet Mountain Dews out of the refrigerator. I was going to say that's when we also talk about body dysmorphia, but diet Mountain Dew and body dysmorphia, kind of the same thing. All right. So there's your cliffhanger. Um, Caitlin Markham, thank you so much for your time. This was wonderful. Thanks for and, having uh, me. You bet. And we will see you next time on the virtual couch. Emotions flying past our heads and out the other end. The pressures of the daily grind is wonderful. Elastic waste and rubber ghost are floating past the midnight hour. They push aside the things that matter.